you brought your Bibles and want to follow along, we are at 1 John chapter 5, 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 8. And John writes this, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves who have ever been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So this is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. In this text today, John is writing to let us know that our faith in Jesus is our victory that allows us to overcome the world. And yet as I spoke at the welcome, there's sometimes where it feels like the opposite is happening, where the world is overwhelming or overcoming us. There's people here today that feel overwhelmed. Maybe overwhelmed financially or socially, just trying to keep up with others or overwhelmed by health or mental health issues, overwhelmed by addiction or exhaustion, overwhelmed by the difficulties of parenting, or overwhelmed by the difficulties of being a kid, overwhelmed at school, overwhelmed at work, divorce, the loss of a loved one. And when we're overwhelmed, uh, a swirl of feelings and emotions kind of swell inside of us, depression, hopelessness, loneliness, feeling isolated. And yet, John says that Jesus has overcome the world. But it doesn't always feel that way. But it really should come as no surprise, because when Jesus overcame the world by water and the blood, when he overcame the world, it looked like, from all outward appearances, like the world had overwhelmed him. Because Jesus overwhelmed the world on the cross. And on the surface, it looked like the world had overcome him in pain and suffering and even death. But that was only the surface. As on Easter morning we get to peek inside the tomb, we see the tomb is empty, that Jesus is not there. The victory that was won on Good Friday is made certain on Easter Sunday. Because sin, death, the grave could not hold Jesus back. He came in water and the blood. John specifically writes this, This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is truth. This concept of water. John, the author of this letter, in his own gospel, the fourth gospel, he loves to use this imagery of living water for Jesus, that this river of living water is flowing through the gospel of John. And Jesus, as that water, invites others to drink in him and never thirst again. But we see this water slow down to a trickle and then a drop and then stop altogether when Jesus is on the cross and says these words, I thirst. Jesus was crushed and parched and cursed because of my sin, because of your sin. And he came in blood. Now this blood imagery goes all the way back to the Old Testament, all the way back to the very beginning, to Adam and Eve, 
to their fall, their sin, and God discovers them in the midst of this. And in his compassion, knowing that the consequence of sin is death, he puts to death another animal and takes the hide from that animal and uses that as a covering for Adam and Eve. See, blood is the price for sin. There is no forgiveness without sin. Now, God continues to come to us as we remember our, our, our baptisms and whenever we partake in the Lord's Supper, whenever we dig into his word, it's so sacramental, the waters of baptism, the blood of the Lord's Supper, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, we encounter the very real presence of God and his life-saving grace and life-transforming love. Through this, we share in his victory. We, by faith in Christ, also overcome the world. And it may look like the world is winning, but that's only on the surface. The perspective of what happens eternally with our place secure in God because of our forgiveness, grace, salvation, that this everlasting life in the presence of God and the world made right helps put into perspective some of the trivial, relatively small, insignificant, even if they look big now, in perspective of eternity, these are small potatoes. And give us joy in looking forward to and longing for that hope that comes, that far grander prize, eternity in the presence of God. So how does this happen? Paul explains exactly how this happens. Number one, we believe. And this even isn't is something that we do, but it's something that the Holy Spirit penetrates into our hearts and creates this seed of faith and then waters it and grows it and nurtures and strengthens this faith in us that allows us to believe in Jesus Christ and his promises. To believe that Jesus is the Christ. When John writes this, he's saying that this goes back to the Old Testament term Messiah which means Jesus is the one anointed and sent by the Heavenly Father to earth for the purpose of redemption for all. And believing in this is inseparable from the act of love. We are creatures who were built and designed in our DNA to love. But what the enemy loves to do is take us from the direction that we're supposed to focus our love to our Father to Christ, and moves it off center. And so we start to love things of this world. In our sinful, broken, idol-worshiping existence, we long for so many things apart from God. And we look for love in all the wrong places. We long for worldly possessions, worldly power, worldly pleasures. That's what drives us. And yet these things all promise the world but when we consume them, we find they leave us even more empty than we were before. This God-shaped hole in our hearts cannot be satisfied for anything but the creator and redeemer of the world. But when we long for those things that are just out of our reach, that never seem to fulfill, we often find ourselves feeling overwhelmed. And the enemy wants nothing more than for us to chase these worldly things than to run back into the arms of our loving and gracious Father. Paul writes this, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commands. The commandments are the best possible life that God has designed for us. Now Jesus, when he's teaching about these commands, he summarizes all ten of them down into two. Love God 
love one another as I have loved you. Now, if we want to simplify that even more and distill it down to its very essence, it's one word, love. Which when you think about the Ten Commandments that way, now they are no longer like a a restrictive, constraining rules and boundaries that God puts on our lives. But rather, it's this incredible act of love, a joy, a gift that we get to do, that we get to receive from God and flow out in other people. To love one another in Christ is this new commandment. Not just to love our neighbors as ourselves but to love as he loved us sacrificially. We overcome, we are victorious by faith. This is what John says, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Only by this miraculous intervention of God to put faith in us and grow this faith can the power of sin, Satan, and the world be held back, be held at bay. Our souls need to be consistently refreshed through remembering our baptisms, through receiving the Lord's Supper, through digging into his word, because it's in these three areas that the Holy Spirit promises to do his work, to bring those gifts of grace into our lives, to make this presence of God real. And we have that now, but not yet. Paul writes about this to the Philippians. Not that I have already obtained all this, but I press on to take a hold of that for which I've been called heavenward in Christ Jesus. This promise of overcoming gives us hope to persevere, to press on, that the victory's already been won. We just need to finish the race. And in this worldly suffering that threatens to overwhelm us, we are to let God empower our perseverance and let that perseverance change into character. And let that character be a source of hope that never disappoints. Who is it that overcomes the world except for the one who believes in Christ Jesus, that he is the Son of God? We overcome the world. And this is a really cool Greek word, Greek word study, real quick. This word for overcome is nika, which some time ago an American sport company morphed into Nike. But it is more, so much more than the the victory that you get in a sport contest. Because this word in Greek implies that there is a battle going on, that there is a war that is waging. This is not something light and trivial. This is something of eternal significance. That each day we face attacks from Satan. On our own, we are weak and vulnerable and easily overwhelmed. And when life is difficult, we are to cling to God and we are called to persevere, to faithfully cling to his promises and remain in him, to live out our faith in this deep gratitude and know that how we face struggles speaks volumes of our faith to others. And when we falter, because we will, we return to God in repentance and we receive his renewal. Today, I want to give you three very practical ways to live victoriously. Number one, with intentionality. I have a great friend in Michigan, and, and we, would, we would talk for, for hours at a time, and sometimes he would share struggles that he was wrestling with, and I would share struggles that, that I was wrestling with, and whenever I shared a burden with him, he would always do this. He would say, Ty, tell me three personality traits that you will portray yourself as today. Like, three qualities that you want other people to see in you through your words, through your actions, through your attitudes. 
Because when you're intentional with this, you don't face a difficulty and go, okay, okay, good, good call. So when I am struggling through this, I want people to see in me that I am exhausted. I want people to see that I am totally at the end of my rope. I want people to see I am miserable. Right? We don't do that. When you're intentional to face those struggles and challenges, you say, okay, I want people to see that I'm humble. I want people to see I'm transparent. I want people to see that I'm encouraging for others. And so he's like, okay, great, Ty, those are a great list. Now practice those all day long. Be intentional with doing something that expresses those qualities all day long. Be intentional. That is one way that we live victoriously. Another way that we live victoriously is intentional preparation. That we dig into God's word to arm yourself for the day because there will be spiritual battles in your life. Whether you are attuned to them or not, there is a battle going on. And for that, Paul encourages you to put on this armor, put on this equipment. This is what he says to the church in Ephesus. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand firm. Therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and Nikes on your feet, shoes actually, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that my words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Let me put it in other terms. Paul is telling you, strap it on. Get ready. The battle is coming. The victory belongs to the Lord. Put on that full armor of God each and every day, intentionally. Wake up in the morning, think about those words, and be strengthened by them. Third, intentional relationships. God has given us this amazing ability to gather together in fellowship. Not just friendship, but in fellowship. Something far more deeper. Something far more meaningful. Where we have the love of Christ that is flowing from one another. Think about it in this way. Who are people in this room right now whose lives are hurting and broken and in need of some extra love? Who are lives in this room today who have love to give? Let's just think about that. Hypothetically speaking, these are all hypotheticals, but they're probably real. Someone in this room today is having car problems. Will people step up and, and help with a repair? Some, is struggling, some are struggling with depression. Will we be patient and loving towards them? Some have just had a baby. Will we, will we be encouraging to them as young new parents? Some struggle with bitterness over social issues in the world today. Will we engage in them in healthy conversations that communicate care and respect, even if we disagree? 
Some have children who are gay. Will we respond to them in love and at the same time be clear with our understanding of God's truth? Now, of course, all of these, they're really only possible if we're made known. And the only way that a need can be made known is if you use that really difficult word to say, help. For those of you who are hurting in the room today, please ask for help. Because it is a joy for your fellow brothers and sisters to pour out God's love into your life. Give them that joy. Receive the love of God that he so much wants you to have. But you're the gatekeeper. Ask. Of course, we can't forget that the primary place where we are called to love one another is within our own homes. And moms, you know the art of sacrificial loving. How many things and times have you worked and slaved for your family without a thank you or an acknowledgement? Thank you. Let the rest of us step up and do the same. How will God use you to sacrificially love the people in your own home? And when the world feels overwhelming, and it often does, Remember this, Jesus has overcome the world. Through the waters of our baptism and the blood of Jesus' sacrifice, we too are eternally victorious. Believe in him, lean into his promises, love one another with intentionality, be victorious. Amen. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, when the pressures of this world feel like they will wash us away, Remind us that we are planted firm on your foundation. Remind us of your great compassionate love for us. Remind us of the promises that we have, that you come to us in your word, in the water, in the blood. And we receive that very real grace and life. Let that fuel our lives, Father. That we would view the problems of this world as tiny compared to the joy that awaits us with you in eternity. Help us love one another in response to that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.